Welcome to Dose of Support, a podcast for healthcare professionals to preserve stories and provide a dose of support to each other through community and shared experiences. We're going to share successful and sometimes not successful self-care methods. And I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a professional just like you. Remember, I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm not your healthcare provider, and my guests aren't here to provide healthcare advice either. But we do encourage you to seek out care from your own healthcare professional. And although we're sharing stories from healthcare, I intend to fully adhere to HIPAA and protect privacy. And remember, this podcast is not related to any employer. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned, everyone. Welcome back. And this next guest um, really wanted me to have a glass of wine in hand when we recorded. So here I am sipping some cab and welcoming Dr. Amy Busker, a board certified geriatric pharmacist and an MTM practitioner. She practices in ambulatory care settings and has experience in retail pharmacies as well. Today, she'll share a personal story which fuels her passion for her work and maybe drinks, oh, see, the drinking and maybe. And maybe drives us all to drink is what I was going to say. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm excited I mean, to be you don't here, drive. Right? You don't what? drive me to drink. You don't. You are not the one okay, that. You, I mean, you requested me to be drinking this glass of wine with you. I did. I did, I mean, and I have um, a glass of Sauvignon Blanc in my hand. Oh, okay. Look at you. That's I very know. housewife of you. It is, isn't it? And we know you're not a housewife because you are Dr. <laughs> Amy Busker. So as the listeners probably know, Amy and I are friends. So um, (laughs) it's a little different than our average episode where I'm interviewing a stranger. So, um, but what I wanted to have Amy on the show today for was to discuss her specific role as a pharmacist that specializes in older adults. And I think her role is really different. So Amy, um, Try not to slur your words and (laughs) go ahead and tell the listeners um, what a pharmacist does. All right. So I, so what, what I, what I do is very different from what I think people oftentimes think about when they think of a pharmacist. Um, I think a lot of times people, you know, picture uh, somebody working behind the counter and I, I don't do that uh, anymore. I did uh, right after I graduated from pharmacy school and I actually managed for a while and worked in retail. But as a geriatric pharmacist and as a medication therapy management pharmacist, I actually get to meet with patients one-on-one and I go over their medications with them. I look to make sure everything is indicated, that it's effective, that it's safe, convenient. You know, I'm looking at drug-drug interactions, drug-disease interactions. I look at, you know, are they on high-risk medications? Are they on anything that could contribute to falls? Because that's a, a big thing that we watch for. And um, and in addition to seeing patients, I am able to interact with, you know, people like you, with nurse practitioners and physicians and other healthcare professionals. And I uh, answer questions and fielding questions all day long um, that range, you know, from, hey, this person has an infection and what, what antibiotic should I start to, you know, can you review this? 
medication list and is it contributing to something that the patient has going on? So I do that and a lot of education uh, as well. Um, and I think, and chart reviews, chart reviews too. So it's, it's a lot of different stuff. I'm lucky to have a lot of variation in my job. Yeah. So that was a long answer. in order to do all, <laughs> no, I mean, in order to do all of that, in order to, I mean, you, you spout off like the side effects of this and certain classes of drugs, and you, you can make these recommendations on the fly. And what I think we should talk about is your training. So how did you become a pharmacist or how does the average person now that maybe is listening, a student is maybe listening out there and maybe they're interested. How, how do they become a pharmacist? So I now now with pharmacy schools you get your doctor of pharmacy degree and that's what I have. I was actually the first class to go through the University of Minnesota where that was your only option. So before that people could get a BS and you know I have my PharmD and now students that decide they want to be a pharmacist that's what they will graduate with as a doctor of pharmacy degree. And to do that a lot of them um, you know, at, enter college, there's, there's, you know, prereqs, you know, you do your prereqs, typical prereqs, your chemistry or all that good stuff. And it will take, uh, I mean, for me, it took seven years to get through pharmacy school. If you know exactly what you want to do when you start, it's going to take six. So typically, so it's, you know, your prereqs and then pharmacy school. Um, it depends on the school, you know, that, that you go to. I think there's the, the programs differ, but overall, it's going to take about six years of, um, you know, of college to get your doctor of pharmacy degree. Okay. So once students graduate, I, I'm told that most people go through a residency program if they know what's good for them. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> it depends on what you want to do, really. I, I mean, if if you graduate from pharmacy school and you do want to do something like medication therapy management, a residency is preferred, um, not required, but it's preferred. And, you know, if you're going to go and work in a retail setting, you don't necessarily, you don't need to have a residency. So it really just depends on what area of a pharmacy you're wanting to go into. There's a lot of different options out there. So. All right. So. You talked about retail pharmacy and we've talked about ambulatory care, but I think that pharmacists are in multiple settings in the community and in the healthcare sphere. So where is like the strangest place you've found a pharmacist? <laughs> um, gosh, I, that is a, I don't know the strangest place that I've found a pharmacist. Like do pharmacists do home visits in home yeah. care? Yes, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, and I've actually done that, which I mean, honestly, I am probably one of the odd ones because I guess to answer your question, the strangest place to find a pharmacist working is out of your home. And I actually am able to do that. I work, I never in a million years thought as a pharmacist, when I was going through pharmacy school, that I would be working out of my home, you know, ever. <laughs> so yeah, so you've heard it here, folks. Um, you've you've heard it here, folks. Amy is a strange, weird pharmacist, um, but we'll take it, right? I, I went to the orthodontist the other day, and they asked me if I'm able to work from home. You know, with all the 
COVID stuff going on. And I said, yeah. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm a pharmacist. And she stopped for a minute, looked at me. And she's like, how, how do you do that? From home? <laughs> <So> <laughs> I laughed and <laughs> explained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're really fortunate that we can do that type of work. A, a lot of folks, even people in healthcare, are out of a job right now, and so you, I think your training and your background probably helps you to provide care for people that really need it. Still, um, so we've kind of talked about the training that it takes to become a pharmacist, and you know the schooling, and then what a day in the life looks like for you. But what do you think is the most challenging part of your job? So I would say the most challenging is is getting people off of medications that really, you know, trying to encourage them to come off of certain medications that they probably don't need anymore or maybe unsafe that they've been on for years and they just they really like those medications and don't want to come off I think that is that can that is probably one of the most challenging people have unhealthy attachments to their vitamins and I I mean this this podcast is not giving healthcare advice but y'all vitamins are not regulated by the government at all like you could be you could have baby powder in your vitamin (laughs) and I mean I this could be the wine talking but I'm just saying that that it's not regulated do you really know what you're taking and so anyway I get on a little box and not I mean vitamins vitamins if you have a deficiency are important yes but otherwise if you're eating a, a normal diet if you're if you're getting good nutrition anyway see i'm going to get off that soapbox this is about you um okay so what is the best part of your work i i love i love working with the population i get to work with i love working with older adults i just i i feel very fortunate so it's the interactions that i get to have with patients and with the other healthcare professionals that i work with that you know, I, I honestly, I've, I've definitely been asked over the years, like, would you have, would you do it different? Would you have chosen to do something else? And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I love what I do. I like, I love being a pharmacist. I love working with the people I get to work with. So I, I do feel very fortunate and love what I do. So I'm over here nodding my head because these, these older adults are just the best. I mean, had a conversation with a patient and I asked the patient if they were okay with trialing a reduction of some of their medications. And they looked at me and they said, you can just call me Mr. Walgreens, man. I need to get, I need some help with this. And, (laughs) and they just, they're the best patients are the best. Um, So I, I agree. That's one of the best parts of the work. So um, do you see pharmacists in the media at all? I feel like it's it, how do you attract students to pharmacy school and how do you help people learn about the role? I mean, how do people even get to learn about a pharmacist when you don't see them on TV or see them in the news or hear about them? They're not glorified like physicians and surgeons are, right? No, they're not. I I mean, honestly, and I was <laughs> for some reason was talking about this the other day but I you know when you when you think of pharmacy and um 
you know, on the media or in TV, you think of, again, the you, it's you're usually seeing them behind a counter. And all I can think of is that that Seinfeld episode. I mean, if anyone first watched Seinfeld, where there's the, you know, Elaine's trying to get the sponges from the pharmacist. And it's oh, just yeah. for her contraception. And it's, it's like... <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's you're right. That's like the one of the only times I can think of a pharmacist being portrayed, and like that is that is not a good portrayal either. So. <laughs> you're not even like the cool guy in the episode, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard when you're not when you're not seen in the media. How do people even become interested? And right, um, I, I, think I honestly that, think too that a lot of it. I mean, for me, it was you know, I became, inter- it was, okay, I like math. I like chemistry. I know I want to help people. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, cause you know, you're young when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And, and I just one day was like, I, I think I'm going to be a pharmacist because I, you know, when you're looking at what do you need to take to, you know, if, if you're going to go down that route and it's chemistry, it's math, it's, you know, it's that kind of stuff for your prereqs. And, I knew I could help people that way. So that's what drew me to it. When I feel like a lot of people that I know who do it maybe had a family member who does it or, you know, there's some connection that way. But, um, and to the listeners out there, I would not let chemistry intimidate you or biology or like, I think a, a lot of people shy away from the sciences because they, they think it's going to be too hard. But, You'll you'll learn so much if you're interested in it and you engage in it. You'll love it. I I thought I would hate chemistry, and it was one of my favorite undergraduate courses. Yes. And yeah. I I do I want to do it again? No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going to sign Me up neither. for that again. <laughs> um, what are what are the pharmacy boards like? Because you so you do like your residency, you graduate from school, but you have to you're board certified. So how does that happen? So I, um, so you mean my board certification for geriatrics? Um, Is that what you're asking? Well, that's a, that's a special certification that, yeah. that you have, right? So like the average pharmacist. Yep. So you, when you graduate from pharmacy school, you take your boards, you take your, uh, you know, you, you take your law exam, you take your practical, um, you take your NAPLEX. And so at least, you know, at least for me, there was the practical, the law exam, and the NAPLEX. I don't even know if they do the practical anymore, to be quite honest. I was going to say, what is the practical yeah, in so pharmacy? That was, so the practical for me, so I graduated in 1999. So lots of things have changed. So, But when I graduated, I had to take, you know, I had to, to the practical was, um, you know, you would practice counseling a, a patient mm-hmm. on a medication. And you do so, a ton of that. So... I, I would hope that you'd be competent, right? Yeah, yeah. Like okay. you would show someone how to use an inhaler. You would. It was the hands-on stuff, I guess. Is Perfect. How it... So you have to demonstrate that to like a professional board yep. member. Yes, or something? exactly. Okay, exactly. And then there's a written exam too. Yeah, there was a written exam and then the law exam as well. So it was. And what's the law exam like? Is it per state or yes? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So pharmacists and, and, are certified by state. Yes. 
I yep. didn't know that. Very yeah, there's the state law and then there's the federal law stuff you need to know. But yes, it was if if I were wanting to practice pharmacy in another state, I would have to get I would have to take the law exam for that state. So. Very interesting. Nursing is similar where the the state board issues you a license. Sometimes there's a law exam that you need to take. And sometimes there isn't if you want to work in a different state, for example. But then my um, APRN certification is national. So it, it's kind of, it's it's strange, but gosh, like, so basically you have to jump through a lot of hoops to be a pharmacist and you're also like a walking drug book. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I have my references that I use a lot. <laughs> I mean, but like, listen, y'all listeners, I, I look up stuff. I get on my apps that I am, I mean, I'm not going to say names, but I have my own references too. And I look up stuff and then I call Amy because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. I, I just need, I, sometimes I just need reassurance that I'm making the right decision. And sometimes, sometimes Amy is like, um, I wouldn't do that. Um, and so Amy can really serve as a guide to providers when when they're kind of in a hard place because patient care gets more complex. The older people get, I feel like they're living longer and we're trying to create a good quality of life for people. And it's not easy. It gets more complex. And so it's not. And I think it's more of an art than anything. I actually was just talking to that about a provider yesterday is like it's it's not this is an art too you know yeah yeah it's not like you can just pick the right drug and you're good right um sometimes you're pre prescribing something and it's really iffy and you gotta check kidney function and you gotta watch liver or you gotta see for see if there are going to be side effects and you're the one that's warning providers on what they should watch for and and educating patients and families what the risks and benefits are sometimes too and those are hard conversations yeah yeah they are they are they certainly can be and I mean they're they're rewarding though too you know they're hard they're hard conversations but they are rewarding I think you know I I spent yesterday with a patient on the phone for an hour and then I spoke with you know her son for I think 45 minutes and then it was it was a you know for one patient a real really long visit you know, which I know you're familiar with as well but but there are there's there's hard conversations in there but I think a lot of good comes out of them and and even just, you know, when, like you say, when you call and ask questions and where you, when you and I are on the phone, or I, I think that a lot of times it's just that helpful to talk through stuff, you know, it's just having somebody to bounce, bounce your ideas off of as well. And by the way, she does not give herself enough credit. She knows what she's doing all the time. <laughs> so, so listeners... That's uh, listeners, that's the wine talking. Amy's wine is talking. No. So I, I've really wanted to ask you this. And I, I just because you're a pharmacist, are there any drugs that like you personally are like, I'm never taking that? Or yeah, like, I, there's stuff that you do in like your normal non-pharmacist life where you're like, no, I'm not going to take that ibuprofen or, or yes. anything like that. <laughs> 
I tell, you know, I tell my parents who are over 65 not to take their ibuprofen. I'll take ibuprofen right now. But yeah, when I, I, I mean, for, for, for older adults, and I just think right now, I guess at the age I'm at right now, I, I really honestly don't take anything, to be honest, as far as my husband gets mad because I never have anything in the house. So oh, he's wow. like, do we even have Tylenol here? <laughs> Aren't and you that's a pharmacist? Like, that's, is that an oxymoron or ironic or like, what is the word for that? But like, that's so opposite of, like, I know. you would think that because you know what is therapeutic for, you know, xyz that you would have whatever available like yeah it's uh, it's terrible i am so not (laughs) so just if if you're see me somewhere and you have a headache don't ask me for any ibuprofen or tylenol because i won't have it on me (laughs) you heard it here folks the unprepared pharmacist i know know, but not carrying a pharmacy with her no one ever said that It is. I do get teased about that quite a bit. So, <laughs> but no, there's but there's I, a list of meds that I I just like don't like, uh, and I mean I I'm I guess I'm biased. Like nobody should be on Ambien. Like I just don't right. think that anyone should ever be on Ambien ever. Yeah. Like, and I think even if you're prob- under sixty five, I know. I no, I agree because the, right. The problem is, is you start it and then you think that you you know that's where we end up with these people way down the road too that just have a hard time letting go because they've been on it forever. And, you know, they, they don't want to stop it. It's just, I I hate to start things like that too, for the, for that reason, because what's, what's maybe safe now is not going to be safe later. And, and honestly, there's always safety issues. So. Oh yeah. So you don't have to be an older adult folks to have side effects of things. Exactly. or, or an adverse event. So, okay. So before we take a break, I want to know your stance on medical marijuana and um, kind of like, I guess I know you and I have talked a little bit about like the hemp products and there's a lot of like misinformation out there, but I just want to know like what, what you've learned so far. Cause I know there's a lot up in the air. Yeah. I think that honestly, I, I mean, as, as far as the, so like CBD oil is what I get a lot of questions on and, you know, the, um, those products. And I personally just, I haven't had a lot of experience with those yet with patients. I get a lot of questions and I I look at it as kind of, um, like other supplements, you know, I don't know that it's going to do a whole lot of good and there can be side effects. So that is just my very simplified answer to that. I, I think that, I think that by state, it depends on where listeners are listening from, but in other countries, it's legal in some states, it's fully recreationally legal. And I just wonder um, what kind of health implications that's going to bring. And I thought maybe a pharmacist would know. But I do think there's a lot that we don't know. I do. I think there is a lot we don't know. And I think there's a lot to, you know, a lot to, a lot to consider. And there's, again, certain patients where it would be more concerning, you know, 
like the psychiatric history, for example, or history of hallucinations. And I mean, and it's, there's just, there's a lot involved with, with thinking about it as far as the THC component. And, you know, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's honestly not my favorite topic, probably because I just don't know. I, I haven't spent a lot of time on on it yet. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I it's not a comfort area for me either, but I am seeing people that have active prescriptions for like Marinol um which is the synthetic for those that, those that are listening. Mar- that's you know, sometimes yeah. people that have cancer are, you know, they qualify for medical marijuana for example in in the state where we practice and so sometimes I am seeing it and so it it's kind of one of those things that I'm still learning about too, but I thought I would put it out there. So with that, we're going to think on that, listeners. We're going to take a break, and Amy and I are going to solve the medical marijuana problem while we're gone. <laughs> um, so stay tuned, and we'll be back with her special story. All right, listeners, we are back with Dr. Amy Busker, and she's chosen a special story that's very personal to her, and we're just going to get right into it, Amy. Go for it. Okay, so when Vanessa asked me about, you know, being a a guest on here, she had mentioned, you know, think about a story that you'd want to share, and the one, and it could be personal or professional, and and the one that I always come back to is, is you know, a, almost three years ago now, my my mom actually had a fall and it was, you know, a c- completely a fluke accident. She was 68 um, and it, it, again, complete fluke. She wasn't on any medications that would contribute to this. She fell and um, and she hit her head and she had a severe traumatic brain injury and you know, she was in the ICU for three weeks and and she had to you know her skull was removed the left side of her skull was removed and it was just it was awful it was um, awful and very much has impacted you know her life and and all of ours really so. No, sorry. (laughs) No, no. It sounds really, it sounds really traumatic for her and for your family. Yeah. And so I think that the reason why this is the thought I would share is because of course this has been, you know, life changing for, for her and for all of us. And, um, and it was a fall that, that did this. And, you know, just again, as a geriatric pharmacist, like I, I know I mentioned that one of the things I watch for is high risk medications and if anything could contribute to falls. And that's always been something that I do within, within my day to day working life. And, and so this, after this happened, I think it just even, it makes me more aware and more wanting to, help make sure, you know, patients are not, you know, are are doing whatever they can to reduce their risk of falls. So it's, it's just a, it's, it's a tough, a tough thing. And it sounds like your mom and, and your whole family are still living with the fallout literally from her 
from her accident. And I think a lot of patients and people in healthcare even brush off falls as not not as big of a deal. And it, obviously, you've lived it firsthand how big of a deal a fall can be. We actually know that um, for people over the age of 85, there's, I believe, a 50% chance of mortality after a fall within one year. And don't quote me on those statistics. But it's it's something like that, and it's it's very profound. So falls can be so life changing, and it sounds like that was the case for your mom. Yeah, yeah, and I mean she's she has come a long ways. She really has, and but it's it's definitely it's definitely a a long process and a long road to recovery, and you know it's. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to be an intensive care nurse and believe it or not, a neuro neurotrauma. Um, so I saw a lot of accidents just like this. And um I often saw people in that most acute time where their whole life has just changed and I never get to see I never got to see them recover. And so yeah. It's nice that you're you're seeing her make some progress yes, slowly yes. but surely. And is she back home? She is back home, and she that's wonderful. Yeah, she's back home physically. She really re, physically she has done very well. It's you know the um, aphasia is what has really impacted her. So okay. you know that's that's been what has been very tough. So. But again, has come a long ways, and so right. one day know, at I, a time. Yeah, I always think of something that I see on her. You know, speech pathologist. So we'd go to to speech therapy with her and my dad, um, and it said progress, not perfection, on there. And I, I need to remember that. <laughs> Just we, you know, I think we should all like you know have that like taped to our forehead. You know, I thought about getting it tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> I'll go with you. Let's make an appointment. (laughs) When COVID is over, we will just go and we'll, we'll, we won't get drunk first, but we will, (laughs) we will go and then we'll go out for drinks after. I think that's a good plan. (laughs) Progress, not perfection. Well, what a beautiful story of, of difficult times, trauma and family and progress, not perfection. So if people want to reach out to Dr. Amy Busker, our favorite pharmacist here, <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners can reach out to me at hello at doseofsupport.com. You can find us on Instagram, just at Dose of Support, and in our private Facebook group. If you want to support the show or if you want to leave a voice message, like a voice memo, you can drop it into Patreon and your voice might come on to the next show. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, if you have any information on medical cannabis, uh, Amy and I need some help with that. So <laughs> go ahead and, and post that too. I want to hear what you know, what you've learned. Amy, do you have anything else that you want to share today before we let you go? I uh, no, I think this was fun. Thanks for having me, and I I appreciate it. I look forward to listening to your episodes, Vanessa. All right, Amy, thanks for the dose of support, and listeners, we'll see you next week. Stories matter, and now we've captured another one. 
We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. Until then, make connections and give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, edited, everything by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show or leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again. Music